listeners, this is Shreya Sarkar Barney, your Exponential Talent Podcast host. In this podcast, we cover talent practices that produce multiple returns and in the process debunk myths that are holding back progress in the workplace. Today's podcast is on the topic of feedback. If you're a manager, you've probably been told to provide more feedback or better feedback. And if you're an employee, there's a good chance that the feedback you receive left you demotivated and disengaged. You ask, does feedback giving and receiving work? That is the question we will be exploring with our guest today, Dr. Abraham Kluger. Dr. Kluger is the professor of organizational behavior at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in Israel. Dr. Kluger and his research collaborator, Angelo Denisi conducted groundbreaking research which showed that about a third of the time, feedback tends to backfire or not work at all. In our conversation, we focus on what the research says about effective and ineffective feedback. Dr. Kluger shares examples from his consulting practice to bring them to life. Now, please be forewarned, it may not be what you're expecting to hear. Hello and welcome to Human Capital Growth's podcast on talent management. I'm Shreya Sarkar Barney, President of Human Capital Growth. And our guest today is Dr. Abraham Kluger, Professor of Organizational Behavior at Hebrew University's Business School. Avi is most known for his research on topics that enable managers to motivate and manage performance more effectively. Along with his research partner, Angelo Denisi, Avi's work on feedback has won numerous awards most notable among which is the Best Paper Award by the Academy of Management and the Williams A. Ovens Scholarly Achievement Award from the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology. Avi's most recent work is on feed forward and listening, which is showing great promise in improving managerial effectiveness. Avi also has a sizable following in the business world with companies like SodaStream adopting many of the practices directly resulting from his research. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Abraham Kluger, who's speaking to us via Skype from Jerusalem in Israel. Avi, I'm so excited to have you on our show. Thank you, and I'm uh, delighted to have the opportunity uh, to share some of my work with you and your listeners. Absolutely. I know that the listeners are going to find it really valuable because you're going to help dispel some of the myths that are present in the field, particularly in terms of what managers do. And your research is so inspiring. I remember meeting you over a couple decades ago as a graduate student and hearing about the way you address your research questions that directly answer problems in organizations. So. Um, let me go ahead and get started with our first question. 
In the business world, the act of giving and receiving feedback is seen very positively. And the general belief is that more feedback is always better. Now, Avi, your research actually shows otherwise. Tell us under what conditions does feedback work and when does it not work? If I knew the answer to your question, I could really guide managers on how to use feedback. But I'm afraid that we don't have the answer of to when feedback is useful and when it's not. We have fragments of answers and those fragments illuminate how complex are the reactions to feedback such that I cannot give simple answers. But I want to uh, demonstrate a few principles that we do understand. First, the idea that uh, maybe we should uh, focus on the positive, I think is patently wrong. Focusing on positive and giving positive feedback is very useful for certain type of people, for certain type of tasks, and for certain type of, uh, I would say, cultures or uh, organizational cultures and situations. On the other hand, there are cases where negative feedback will be more effective and yet even more complex. Let me give you a few examples. Sure. I'm basing the explanation on uh, Tori Higgins' work. Tori Higgins uh, is a social psychologist at uh, the psychology department at Columbia University. And about 20 years ago, he distinguished between promotion focus and prevention focus. If one tries try to translate it into everyday language, employees and people some of the time do things because they have to, and some smaller amount of the time they do things because they want to. Now, our entire mind behaves differently when we do things because we have to versus when we want to. Mm. So when you do something out of a desire, according to Higgins, uh, you're looking for potential rewards, uh, you show eagerness, and you are generally concerned with success, and you don't mind doing some errors or mistakes along the way. So if you have a new idea for a program in your company, and you share it with experts, and they give you feedback, Treya, you are onto something great. You got positive feedback from somebody else, or something that anyhow you wanted to do, and my predictions and findings are that you will work harder after positive feedback. But in this case, if you really desire to do something and you get negative feedback, you present your new idea and you get the cold shoulder from uh, other people, you may think, oh, maybe it's a bad idea. Who cares anyhow? And most people, I wouldn't say all, may give up uh, a direction of action that they were performing because they wanted to if they get negative feedback from others regarding that activity. So, Abi, no. if, if, can yeah. I just uh, stop here? Let me just make sure that I'm 
am tracking with you. When people are in the promotion focus condition, meaning they are doing what they want to do, then positive feedback you're saying actually makes them go back and want to do more versus yes. negative feedback for most people would just cause them to give up. Yes. Great. Okay, go ahead. Now, imagine you're doing something because you have to. Suppose uh, you have to um, make an inventory uh, for, for your manager and you have a deadline and it's something you despise doing, but you have to do the inventory. And suppose your manager comes to check your progress and suggests that you're doing extremely well. Uh, now you got positive feedback on something that you don't want to do. And my prediction is given the positive feedback, you'll get lax and say, okay, so I don't have to worry about that much. It's not as uh, serious as I thought before. Uh, and you'd loosen up and, and you'll do the job more poorly. But suppose this manager would come to you and say, well, you're really falling short out of expectation. We would have problems here with this uh, sloppy job that you're doing. I predict that most people under these circumstances will improve performance, will become more vigilant, more accurate, and work harder. So, so you know, go I ahead. Mean, what you're sharing is seeming so counterintuitive to what we would believe um, just out of common sense, right? Like if you don't want to do something and you give the person positive feedback, say, hey, you're doing a great job, most of us will believe, oh, that person's going to just do a great job, maybe because they want to overcome their dissonance, maybe not liking the job. They might just think that, well, maybe I'm not, after all, not that bad, or maybe this is not so bad. I should just keep doing more. So isn't the opposite also true or possible? Um, it could be more complex, but experiments that I've done with... Uh, Dr. Dina Van Dijk, a former PhD student of mine, repeatedly showed us that when people do things because they have to, or they are engaged in tasks that requires for vigilance, negative feedback makes them perform better than positive feedback. I'll give you one example from the laboratory. We gave uh, people the task of finding errors in simple arithmetic calculation. We gave them a page full of simple arithmetic calculations of the type of uh, 0.5 plus minus 0.8 plus minus 0.3 plus 1.2 equal 0.8. And only the only thing you had to say whether it's correct or incorrect. And they worked for a while and after that, we gave them randomly uh, bogus feedback. Either we told them that they are doing well, above average, or below average of people just like themselves. And then we gave them an, uh, a new page 
of exercises and ask them to check the errors there. And lo and behold, those that we told them that they were doing above average made more mistakes in the second time. And those that we told them that are below average got better at the second time. And I'll give you another example of this principle of do not give positive for things that people do out of a feeling of obligation. Um, I had a student who told me that uh, in a certain factory in Israel, management gives uh, bonuses for employees to show up on time and uh, to have low uh, level of absences. I told him it's crazy. They are paying people to stay home. He said, can be. I said, let's check. And he collected data uh, over one year, and we had for uh, 11 periods a possibility of comparing how much money you got for bonuses on month X and how much absences you showed on month X plus one. And uh, in some of the, those, there were significant differences some of those months, exactly as I predicted, the more you were paid in months X, the more absent you were in the following months. And the logic is nobody uh, come on time out of desire. You usually think, oh my God, I have to be on time. I have a problem if I want to be on time. You don't think, oh, Today, I desire to show up really at 9 a.m. I'm so happy towards this opportunity. Nobody thinks this way. So the idea is things that you have to do. Positive feedback is a signal that you don't have to do it anymore. And you reduce effort. And that's exactly what we found. So, but that's like only one principle. Mm -hmm. Now... Your listeners may think, yeah, okay, so now maybe everything that my employees do because they have to, I should punish them if they are not doing well enough. Well, and I I'll could draw that conclusion. Sorry. Yes, go ahead. You're listening to the Exponential Talent Podcast on performance feedback practices. Our guest today is Dr. Avraham Kluger. So now comes the complexity. Now, uh, Maybe many of the uh, listeners had the experience, perhaps, of taking a stat class because they had to, or a math class because they had to, not because they desired to have one. And now, let's try to imagine that in the midterm, you did really poorly. Now, the theory I just uh, shared with you would suggest, okay, I did the stat class because I had to. I don't want it, but I need to take it to a graduate. So, and I got negative feedback, and therefore my performance will go up towards the finals. At the same time that your motivation or the urgency to succeed may go up, you may start to doubt your ability to do stat or math, and you'll start ruminating about how stupid you are. So now the negative may pull you down. So I can say very simple thing to a manager 
subject that wants to know when to use positive or negative feedback is very simple. Uh, just first figure out whether your employee does a task that calls for promotion or prevention. Then learn about the personality of the person, whether they're in general do things because of desire or because of feeling of obligation. And then just gauge if you give them negative feedback, whether this negative feedback will affect more the urgency or more the uh, feeling of uh, uh, low efficacy or feeling stupid. And if you can figure it out, figure this out, then you can know how to use feedback. And of course, I counted only uh, two simple factors that make it so complex. Uh, I just want to use it as a demonstration that feedback at times can cause serious performance decline. But I think the most, the deepest problem with feedback that when we provide it, when it was not asked for. And now, leave the work setting for a second. Think about relationships with other people. If they give you feedback without you asking for it, without asking for advice, what would you do in my case? And people just tell you what to do. It's something that makes those people feel judged, misunderstood, and resentful. And the idea that you give feedback to other people, it's really a sign that you're trying to control them. And most people do not like to be controlled. And this is, I think, among other things, one of the biggest problems with feedback. So Avi, let me just uh, pause. You've given us two great points. One is when managers give feedback, they need to consider two things. What is it going to evoke in the person a natural desire to do the job, which is the promotion focus, or a feeling of obligation that I don't really want to do it, but I really have to do it. And if the manager can figure out how the person's going to react, plus their personality, which is they generally do things out of intrinsic interest versus they do things because, um, or, or I should say, the negative feedback is going to cause them to want to reevaluate their own strengths, meaning their self-efficacy. Some of these factors should, um, so basically managers need to be trained in how to provide feedback. And then the second point you made is when should managers provide feedback? And the dangers of the when that one needs to remember is that providing feedback when it is unsolicited may actually not be received positively. Is that accurate? It's mostly accurate. I think that uh, the feedback itself usually does not change the focus of the person between promotion and prevention. I think it's more the organizational setting, the personality of the person, and the type of task the person is doing. Most of us vacillate between parts, the tasks that we do out of desire, like the creative part, the uh, initiation, initiative, like they uh, require desire. And some things we do out of necessity, like bookkeeping, keeping order, and things like that. And they're both important for most jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very difficult to discern 
which is which for which person. So I don't think training is likely to be very successful in it. I think rather trying to create situations where employees naturally look for feedback and seek the feedback either from their uh, supervisor or from other sources. And this is what managers want to do to create such a safe psychological environment that entice people uh, to look for their own feedback because now they are ready for some new information or they are capable of looking inside themselves realizing I know that I'm doing something wrong but I feel safe enough to admit it to myself and to start doing something about it. Got it. So you're saying make the culture such that it's safe to seek feedback and people want to get the feedback. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I want to tell you, I think we don't, most of the time, we don't need the feedback from others because we know it. We know it with the, from the eyes that were rolled at us. We know with the shrugs that we got. We read it unconsciously, the reactions to our behavior, and unconsciously or subconsciously, we know much more than we were willing to admit to ourselves. But we cannot look at this information because we are scared that we would lose our job. We are scared that we will be scorned. We are scared that we will be manipulated, humiliated, and under this condition, our defense mechanism make us not see what we subconsciously know. And if we create a safe environment, people can correct their behavior towards the, the goals of the organization and, and their own goals without much pressure from others. So you highlighted the importance of creating a safe environment and and this is probably one of those million dollar questions how do you create a safe environment you know at the end of the day we are all human beings motivated by our own self-interest and um, managers and employees may not always want to give feedback and seek feedback because um, it might put them in a situation of um, risk or, or unpleasantness or deprive them of future gains like a promotion or what have you. What are some things that you're learning about creating a safe environment for feedback? First, listen first to your employees. Think about it. Feedback is about telling your subordinates something or, or anyone something about how you see their performance. How about investing some time, and I call it an investment because it takes time and effort, first to listen to your employee uh, or customers or supervisors and find out from them, uh, for, for example, when they thrive, when they enjoy your products and inquire with them what are the conditions that made things, things like that happen and let them get into 
safer place because you're listening and let them realize on their own how they can improve their performance. Now you're sure I'm telling the manager, serve the self-interest of your subordinates. It will serve you back very well. Yeah, so, you know, we're what you're saying is we still have to rely on managers to give feedback and to create the right work environment. But the other piece to that is help managers understand that working towards the needs and the self-interest of employees is good for them as well. And, and I don't know that that really happens a lot in organizations. Uh, managers may have very many motivations to not really help employees become the best possible employee they can because either they don't want to lose them to, um, you know, if they're really great employees, most managers don't want to lose them. And the other piece is it might threaten their own position. So there's definitely complexities out there, but I think it's a noble um, effort to help managers work towards the best interest of their employees. Yeah, but I, I think here, well, logically, it may sound reasonable to try. People, managers will not try unless they themselves enjoyed the benefit of having someone else listen to them and see how it turns our thinking from me, me, me to you and I, or what the philosopher Martin Buber called I, thou. The, uh, maybe I can give you a, a metaphor. Um, in the world of uh, bacteria, there is uh, a gene that is called quorum sensing. That when the bacteria sense that they are in the presence of other bacteria of their own species, they excrete something that make them glue the uh, edges of one bacteria to another. Now, when they glue like this, it's so hard that a lot of industrial detergents cannot remove them. So when they start to um, cooperate in a strong way, supposedly now they're making a lot of effort towards the other other bacteria, excreting something. In the end, they are becoming very robust as a colony. So you can think about an organization that wants to be strong. Uh, if people in the organization feel that they're supporting each other, they're really addressing one of the deepest human needs of belongingness. And yes, we have all the need to compete, but the need to be belong is very strong. And if we cultivate it, we create teams that are unbeatable. But that needs a leader that creates this safe environment for other people. And for meta-analysis that I'm doing nowadays, I know that a listening manager is first perceived as a transformational leader with huge correlation between the two, above 0.7 for those of you who know statistics. And they also create safe environments. And they create trust and commitment and higher job satisfaction and lower uh, 
fair enough and many things that could be used. And for that, I propose as one mean to start the feed forward if you have the time to talk about it. I think that's so, Albi, we need to have you back for another show because I am really looking forward to learning more about your listening research. I think that has great potential. Um, especially because we are asking so much of managers these days that we need to equip them with the right tools to be successful. That brings us to the end of the first part of our podcast on feedback with Dr. Avraham Kluger. Many of you are probably pondering on the relative benefits of giving positive feedback versus negative feedback. I've had a chance to explore this topic with several HR professionals. What I frequently hear back is that it's problematic to ask managers to provide negative feedback to employees. Where I've landed is that organizations need to create a culture of providing authentic feedback where great performance is recognized and celebrated. When performance falls below expectations, it must be recognized simply as is, without coloring it as worse than it may be. Then the conversation needs to shift to what steps are required to improve and become more effective. What's important here is a culture of authenticity where good and bad performance are equally discussed and emphasized. Hope you found value in this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and goodbye until the next time. Goodbye until then.